0: of our hearts to know the hope to which Christ has called us. Amen. Please be seated. So we've journeyed through our Advent waiting and Christmas is fast upon us. This year causes us a little bit of a problem though because this morning we mark our fourth Sunday of Advent and then this afternoon we're already into Christmas. A couple of weeks ago I was griping on about how christmas starts too early outside the church and now it feels like advent finishes too early as well it's all a bit rushed and there's one person that it does a particular disservice to mary the gospel reading we just heard has the angel coming to the young mary and surprising her with the news that she's going to bear a son And we get to spend a full hour in that story before we march back into church this afternoon and discover that Mary's in labor already. Somewhere between noon and this evening, nine months of pregnancy has passed unacknowledged for poor Mary. Of course, every year we sell Mary's experience a little bit short. They're usually not as short as squeezing a whole pregnancy into one day. The ancient church had the good sense to create the Feast of Annunciation way back in March, when we read the story of the angel and Mary nine months before Christmas. That's really where it's supposed to be read. But the problem with that is that we don't really think of Mary again until Advent. This won't do. So let's stay for a moment this morning in Mary's experience. She's told that she's going to uh, conceive a child out of wedlock. Bad news in first century Palestine. It means she's going to be the subject of all kinds of rumors and gossip. Of course, nobody would believe her that the baby she's carrying is divine. And she probably didn't tell anybody about the angel anyway, would you? So instead, she carries this baby in scandal and social disrepute. A few months in, people start to notice a bump. And then that bump gets bigger and bigger, and with it, the rumours get more and more furious. The only ones in the know are those to whom it's been miraculously revealed. Elizabeth, Zechariah, Joseph, just a handful of faithful friends and family members who stick by Mary's side. The Gospels don't say much about how Mary felt about all this, only that she pondered these things in her heart. God tells her that God's own son will be born to the world through her. And Mary ponders that somehow, through all the messiness of her own story and its scandal, not to mention the messiness of pregnancy and childbirth, God is making God's self present to the world. The American poet Alicia Stallings called Mary's motherhood the first miracle. In a poem of the same name, She muses on Mary's part in the story of God's coming to earth, in language that is much less sanitized and sentimental than most of our Christmas talk. So let me read that poem to you in full. Her body like a pomegranate torn wide open somehow bears what must be born. The irony where a stranger, small enough to bed down in the ox-tongue polished trough, erupts into the world and breaks the spell of the ancient numbered hours with his yell. Now her breasts ache and weep and soak her shirt whenever she hears his hunger or his hurt. She can't change water into wine, instead she fashions sweet milk out of her own blood. I love the title of Stalling's poem, The First Miracle. It plays off a story in John's Gospel of Christ's first miracle, where he turns water into wine at the wedding because Mary has told him to be a good boy and do as his mother says. And he obliges because she must have given him that look that mothers give when they're really serious. But for stalling, that isn't the first miracle. The first miracle takes place in the womb of Mary. And for stalling, it isn't just God's miracle, the miracle of a virgin conceiving a child, but it's Mary's miracle. She gives life to the Son of God, without which no other miracle could proceed. We often talk about the virgin birth as essentially an act of God, and Mary as a passive recipient of it. Mary becomes the sweet young woman who's emptied of all agency, and forever after she's just this submissive vessel for God's grand plan. That reads all kinds of gendered stereotypes into Mary's person and into her story. It fails to reckon with Mary's part in the whole drama, because this is a miracle in which Mary participates, in which Mary is co-agent with the divine. Without Mary's strength of character, her faith, her nurture, even without her flesh and blood and DNA, there is no miracle of Christmas, no incarnation. So you start to understand why the virgin birth is a particularly important doctrine in the Christian church. Plenty of folks have tried many, many times throughout history to do away with it. There's always a campaign on the go somewhere in the church to jettison all these silly, outdated doctrines that don't line up with our modern scientific understanding of the world. But I think we need to give the virgin birth a second look. Without it, I'm not sure we can make sense of precisely what it means that God comes to us in the way that God does. The theologian Karl Barth called the virgin birth, the doctrine on God at the door of the mystery of Christmas. What is the mystery of Christmas? It is God making God's self present to us in a way we could never have expected. God being born to the world in Christ. Our ancient creeds say that Christ is fully God. And that's half the mystery of Christmas. But I think it's the other half that actually scandalizes us. Fully God and fully human. Born to the world in poor, fragile Middle Eastern flesh. God born in time and place. God born in the raw human stuff of pregnancy and childbirth. The mystery of Christmas is that God chooses to make God's self present through the human story in all its brokenness and messiness. That's a really important thing for us. We each of us are called to bear what must be born. We each of us carry in ourselves the possibility of Christ being born in our world, in our time. Paul expounds this mystery when he talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in you, in us, the promise of hope being present to the world. And just as for Mary, that miracle isn't entirely God's, but it has something to do with us too. We participate in it. Yes, Christ in us is gifted from God, but we give to it our particular DNA, our uniqueness, our giftings. We cannot bear Christ to the world without God, but God does not bear Christ to the world without us, without real people in all their messiness. This is the mystery of Christmas, what our creeds and councils call the incarnation, that God presences God's self to the world always through the human story. So that is the mystery or you might say the paradox to which Mary is witness. That God chooses to be born to the world through the miracle of wounded, messy human lives. The God revealed to us at Christmas is a God who gives God's self over to humanity. And that means that like Mary, we are not passive instruments of God, empty vessels, but those to whom God entrusts God's self. This Christmas, may you know, that God thinks you are worthy of Christ. Thanks be to God.